Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. We are an ever-evolving community of visionaries, dreamers, and doers who have been called by God to live the lives we are created to live, commanded by God to love beyond the limits of our prejudices, and commissioned by God to serve, called to live, commanded to love, and commissioned to serve. And if you cannot remember all of that, We have three powerful and profound words for you. What are they, family? Live, love, and serve. Amen. Listen, I won't won't be long before you this morning. Uh, I want to raise a scripture from the Gospel of John. Uh, So if you're watching, you can get your app, your Bible, whatever it is that you use to read the word. But John 15 um, verses 18 through 19. And come on, I want you to feel like you're in FCBC sanctuary. I don't care if you're at your kitchen table, in the living room, stand up and declare those words and read with me today. No matter where you are, feel the sanctuary of God and feel your presence in that space on this morning. And this is the word of God, John 15, verses 18 and 19. If the world hates you, Be aware that it hated me before it hated you. If you belong to the world, the world will love you as its own because you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. Come on, let's pray. God, we thank you today and we honor you, O God, for how even now you continue to Make yourself known in our lives. This week, oh God, you reminded someone just this week of how gracious you are. Just this week, oh God, you reminded someone of how merciful you are. Just this week, oh God, you reminded someone of how loving you are. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love. God, my grandmother would say, if I had 10,000 tongues, it wouldn't be enough to express how grateful, how grateful, oh God, we are for you and to you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. For every rough day this week, Thank you, because we learn how to lean on you. For every difficult circumstance this week, thank you, because we learn, oh God, that your power abides. For every difficult situation, God, thank you, because we learn, oh God, that you are an ever-present help in time of trouble. We love you, Lord. We honor you, God. And it's in your name we pray. And we say, amen. Allow me to read that passage of scripture again in your hearing. John 15, 
verses 18 and 19. If the world hates you, be aware that it hated me before it hated you. If you belong to the world, the world will love you as its own. Because you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Amen. This morning, I, I, I want to speak from the subject, the danger of looking for likes. The danger of looking for likes. This word, these words from Jesus are not words of endearment. These words are not words that bring a sense of ease and calm to the spirit. I mean, when you look at the journey and the story of the carpenter and those who made the radical decision to follow him, you already are overtaken by the sense of risk and even danger that those persons who stepped out on faith to follow the carpenter must have experienced. I often wonder if I was there in those days, at those profound moments. I have wondered more times than I can imagine if he would have said to me, follow me, if I would have been able to walk away from the things I have held dear in order to grab hold of the unknown. The call to discipleship is a difficult call to say yes to. I'm not talking about whether or not you have the capacity to join a church. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about whether or not you have the ability to declare you are a Christian. What I speak now of is a little bit deeper and more pressing. The call of discipleship. That means that you have made up in your mind to follow, to follow the teachings, to follow the ways, to follow the methods, to follow the workings of the carpenter. That is no easy call. It was a German theologian, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who said that when Christ summons a man, when Christ summons a woman, he bids them to come and die. That is the intensity of the call. And in the midst of honoring the call and in the midst of being obedient to the internal compulsion to follow the carpenter, you would want there to be moments of affirmation. You would want there to be moments that would verify, confirm, validate the nature of your obedience somehow in those moments that are filled with joy and ease. But the journey with the carpenter is not always like that. Yes, there will be high moments, and yes, there'll be moments in which you'll experience things you have never experienced, feel a presence you may have never experienced. But at the same time, those who make the commitment to be disciples, not those who want to show up to church only, 
Not those who want to wear the badge and title of Christian only, but those who go beyond the boundaries set by your low self-esteem in order to be a disciple. It's a challenging call. There are moments when, along the journey, when you read Scripture, Jesus affirms those persons who've made that step. He affirms them and seeks to empower them and encourage them and lift them up by letting them know that they are their God's children, that they have been endowed with the presence and the image and the imprimatur of God upon them. There are moments where he seeks in his teaching to reassure them that their mistakes do not define them and that God is like the father of the prodigal son always waiting to welcome us back home when we've gone astray with open arms. There are moments where he reminds them that sometimes when we stray and when we go off that path or when we feel we have fallen short, that when we find ourselves trying to get back on that dusty road of redemption, that the love of God meets us in the midst of our misgivings and loves us back to wholeness. He, he reminds them of those moments where God won't just let you leave, but one of those moments when you feel far away from God, that God will come and look for you and find you and then bring you back into his space and place of love. Oh, those words are soothing to weary souls. Those words are, are, are salve for the wounded heart. Those words have a way of kindling confidence in us. But then there are these words in John 15. These words don't make you feel at ease. These words don't make you feel comfortable. These words don't make you feel validated in your decision to be a disciple. These words are challenging words. They are difficult words. They are painful words. The world will hate you. And know that before the world hated you, it hated me. And the world will hate you because I've chosen you out of it. And beware that there will be moments where the world will reaffirm the world's angst and anxiety with you. Listen to the words of Jesus in that 19th. Verse, if you belong to the world, the world will love you as its own because you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. What, 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 what piercing words to think that this decision to follow the carpenter who's honoring God in his own calling, and then I'm honoring God in my calling to follow the one who's honoring God in his calling, somehow my decision to honor the calling in me, to follow the one who honored the calling in him, could cause so much hate in the world. The world. And I, I, I remember years ago reading this scripture and being overwhelmed. The world, the world there, that word in Greek in John means the cosmos, the world. The whole world will hate me. No, it is not necessarily the world in terms of geography or location, but here it is. When you make a decision to honor the teachings of the carpenter in your life, know that you become antithetical to the mechanisms of the world. 
That somehow when you make the decision to honor the best of your humanity, you become problematic to those who honor the worst of their humanity. When you seek to feed the hungry and clothe the naked and give drink to those who are thirsty and visit those who are in prison and visit those who are sick, can you imagine that those things would be so disruptive that it would cause hate? When you seek to speak a word of liberation to those who are oppressed, people will hate you. When you seek to loose the shackles upon those who have their minds held captive by feelings of inferiority imposed upon them by those who believe the myth of superiority, hatred is the result. Can you imagine that? That, that honoring the call from the carpenter in your life would cause rise to so much hate because you become the embodiment of so much that seeks to honor the divinity inherent to your humanity. And yet the world finds that problematic. Here you are trying to lead with love. And the world says, no, greed is the way. And because you seek to lead with love and the world seeks to lead with greed, hatred rises. Here you are trying to move beyond individualism and move into a deeper sense of communalism and by understanding that it's not about who you are as an individual, but who you are part of as a larger tribe in the world with its fixation on rugged individualism and fascination with excessive greed. Because of that, hatred is the reward. Here you are trying to see everyone as equal and not trying to undermine anyone's humanity because you believe in the inherent dignity of all people's humanity and the world that seeks to polarize and the world that seeks to create hierarchies of superiority based on illusions created by myths birthed in insanity. Hatred is the result. And Jesus does not sugarcoat this. Jesus does not seek to make these men, these women, this motley crew of sometimes marginalized misfits feel better about the decision they've made. The world will hate you. But know this. It hated me before it hated you. I've wrestled with these words. Especially now in a culture where we want to celebratize everything. I, I've wrestled with these words from Jesus, especially at a time where we find ourselves consumed with a desire to be publicly affirmed. I wrestle with these words, especially in a moment where so many people are trying to get support from other people they do not even know and base their opinion of themselves based on the opinion of people who they do not know may have never met but somehow this superficial idea of following and liking somehow makes them feel better from people they do not know and at the end of the day when you look for validation from people you do not know in a superficial way it takes something about the shallowness of your own living this word from jesus hits us differently in this moment. It hits us differently, especially when there are those of us who've committed to be on this journey with the carpenter. But we did not come on this journey alone. We took this call and accepted the invitation but we did not come alone. When Jesus made the call to follow, for many of us, the moment the call was made, we went 
and packed bags. We put insecurity in that bag. And we put self-doubt in that bag. And we put low self-esteem in that bag. And somehow we brought our bags to the journey and the call. Thinking that as long as we didn't unpack them, they would never bother us. Not realizing that it wasn't about what you packed, it's what you held within you. And here you are taking the journey with the carpenter, and you no longer need the bags as a reminder because you've become the bags you've packed. You've become the insecurity, the self-doubt, the low self-esteem, always questioning, always second-guessing, never feeling at ease, never feeling sure of yourself, always wanting other people to validate your ideas because you don't see the enormity of the ideas that God has placed in your mind in the first place. And here you go, bring all that on this journey with the carpenter. And then somehow you experience heights, you experience success, accomplishments because of your obedience. And maybe not the kind of success and accomplishments the world seeks to measure because the world, again, is overwhelmed by a tragic sense of shallowness and measures success by things that often are connected to materialism. And that's not really what this journey is all about in the first place. But you've had some kind of success and you've made achievements all along. And you thought that the achievements and the success you had could cover the bags that you packed. Not realizing that you have become the embodiment of those things that are not the best parts of you, but the most challenging parts of you. I'll say this, and and, and then I'll I'll be done. Here, Here is the issue. That when we are called into this journey, it is not just a call to serve. Because that is paramount in the call but it's also a call to be healed. You see, some of us think that somehow our service and our commitment and our working and our overworking and our striving and our goals and our agenda connected to the call can cover the fact that we carry deep wounds, psychic trauma, things that most people don't see but we feel every day and we thought that we could work away the wounds, that our success could cover the pain, You see, what we don't always realize is that oftentimes in our relationships that we have now, we have a tendency to to bring our unmet childhood needs into our emotional and adult relationships. Oh, I hope you hear this today. So here you are, fired up because you received the call from the carpenter, not realizing that when you showed up, you showed up with not just you, but you showed up with the you that's still trying to reconcile the damage done when you were a child. And so I'll say it again, you have a tendency and we have a tendency to bring our unmet childhood needs into our adult relationships. And when we bring those unmet needs into our adult relationships, even as followers of the carpenter, we have a tendency to seek approval. I know this is not new, but imagine here you are, a disciple of the carpenter, seeking to honor the call, to follow the teachings, the ways, the mechanism of the carpenter, and in doing that, you also bring your unmet childhood needs with you. You also bring with you your desire for approval, and you have a tendency to want approval because those who often are intoxicated with wanting approval have often experienced emotional trauma in their childhood. And here you now, the adult with emotional damage, emotional trauma that has not been dealt 
dealt with, that has not been reconciled, that has not been worked up out, and you show up in this journey with Jesus, and you bring this need for approval, and you want to be approved, you want to be liked, you want to be validated. In fact, you need it so bad that your very livelihood and your life and your sanity and your spirit resolve and rest on the fact that you hope people will like you and affirm you, and you're looking for the external validation and affirmation and confirmation of your identity. And all of this, you believe that somehow it can be worked out in the journey, healed on the journey, and you want people to want you, and you want people to be next to you, and you want people to validate you, and then here comes Jesus. The world will hate you. And then all of a sudden, your world goes crashing. You mean that people won't like me because of my commitment to the carpenter? You mean that seeking to live a different way? Seeking to honor a deeper call? Won't guarantee public praise? The world will hate you because I've chosen you. And here you are looking for approval because you didn't feel valued or celebrated. And somewhere along the journey, because you weren't valued or celebrated, you started believing that love was conditional. And here you are thinking that even in your honoring the call of God over your life, that even that love is conditional. And so you begin to work harder than anybody, dive in deeper than anybody, because at the end of the day, you're seeking to gain an approval that you already have if you would just embrace the love that God has for you. It is dangerous when you're in this journey and you're looking for likes. I know in this culture right now, it is fashionable, especially in social media, to see how many likes we get with posts and how many likes we get when we post a picture or a statement and we, we measure the efficacy of what we say or what people see by the amount of likes we get. But there is danger in looking for likes. Why? Because it doesn't seek to heal the need for approval. It simply perpetuates it and it intensifies our thirst for it because we're busy comparing ourselves to other people, watch this, who have more likes than us. And yet you're on this journey following the one who said, hey, they'll hate you because they'll hate me. And now you find yourself between your unquenchable desire to be liked and the carpenter who says, don't crave it because you might not get it. What do you do when you're between approval and acceptance? What do you do when you're living in a space of needing affirmation and not seeing that you're already affirmed? I'm glad you asked. A few things and then I'll get out of your way this morning. One, when you come into this journey, you enter this life with this deep desire to be approved and for approval, here's what I need you to do. Take ownership of your anxieties. Yeah, 
I know that may not be easy, but take ownership of your anxieties. What does that mean? Stop looking for other people to heal you. Because oftentimes you have to begin to think now in your life the amount of times that you deepen the wounds and pain because you refuse to take ownership of your anxieties and face what you've dealt with and you are looking for healing in other people because you never believed that you could be the wounded one and the healer at the same time. And because you find yourself looking for other people to heal you, other people to fix you, it then makes the assumption that you believed you were broken in the first place. And you didn't think that somehow your helpmate, your helpmate, your, your soulmate would be the one to help fix you, help heal you, to mend you. No, how can you have expectation for somebody to heal you, to mend you, to fix you when you don't want to fix yourself? Own your anxieties. It doesn't mean that you live in them and they define you. But know this, that nothing will take place unless you embrace the possibility that you have the ability to participate in your own healing. And don't place that burden on somebody else who may not really love you the way you love them. Don't have that expectation that other people are obligated to fix you and you don't really want to be fixed. No, own it. And commit to your own healing and your own transformation and your own salvation. Don't put that burden on somebody else and measure who they are by their inability to fix you. Mm -mm. That's why I love that saying, I can do bad all by myself. So the first thing, if you want to try to move from living in between approval and acceptance, own your anxiety. And then secondly, accept this. And it's simple. It ain't deep. Everyone is not going to like you. Period. Everyone is not going to like you. Why? Because disapproval is normal. It is par for the course. It is part of this journey. Everyone will not like you. And can you imagine accepting that reality but still being held captive by other people's opinions, dangling by other people's strings? You go craving puppet masters because you don't want to live. Everyone is not going to like you. Period. No one, everyone, everyone, everyone is not going to like you. I love in psychology, and many of you may know this, that they have that, that test they do with the ink block patterns. And, and if you've ever had that test, there's a ink blots on a piece of paper, and they, and they ask you, well, what do you see? And if you know anything about the test, the test is really designed to reveal, to reveal what the person thinks or how they feel because it's not about the ink block. What they see is a revelation and a gateway into how the person thinks or maybe how they feel. I want you to catch this. So when they see the ink block pattern, they put the pattern in front of them, and the, the doctor may ask, well, tell me, what do you see? The doctor wants the ink block pattern to be a source of revelation about the individual who's looking at the ink block. So what are you saying, Pastor Mike? You're the ink block. And what people think about you is not really about you. It's a revelation about them. And can you imagine 
taking seriously what people think about you. That's a revelation of how they feel about themselves and using it as a way to measure you. No. When folk try to label you and folk try to marginalize you, let them know I'm the ink block, man. I don't have the issue. What you think about me really tells me how you feel about yourself. So be the ink block. You won't get everyone's approval. And then lastly, here's what you have to do. Disconnect the need to base your worth from your likes. I mean, that has multiple uh, uh, definitions or meanings, especially in the social media age. No, don't go looking for the likes. Untangled, one psychologist said, you have to untangle your worth from the likes. You have to know that your worth is already present, that your value is already there that you're already all that you are, that you are strong enough, you are wise enough, you are smart enough, you are who you are supposed to be already. It's just a matter of you walking in the fullness of who God has created you to be. Don't let your life be dictated by people who think that they control you by playing with your emotions. Jessica Valenti put it best. She said, wanting to be liked is like being a supporting actor in your own life, waiting for cues from the actors, assuming they have the next lines. That's what it feels like. Can you imagine living your life and being a supporting actor and not the main character? Because you're crippled and dependent on other people's thoughts and opinions, and you're looking for the cues from them as to what you do next in your life? No. Honor the sound of the genuine within you. Honor the sound of God within you. Don't lessen yourself. Don't lose yourself looking for likes, looking for people to validate you. Why? Because along this journey, when you actually dare to honor the teachings of the carpenter, there will be people who will castigate you. There will be people who will ostracize you. There'll be people who will seek to minimize you simply because you dare to live in a way that demonstrates you are truly human. You have to know that today. I know it is difficult in this age to be your own person. I know it is hard when so much that is going on in this world tells you that your value comes from external factors. But I think Jesus said these piercing words to his followers 
Because in the midst of seeing the power and the miracles and the demonstrations and them participating in the power and the miracles and them having the power like Jesus, I think he was trying to warn them, don't become addicted to the affirmation from even the people you help. Because one day they'll say, Hosanna, the next day, they'll say, crucify him. You can't be held captive by the misguided opinions of fickle people. This journey is about self-discovery. This journey is about honoring God with the best of who you are. Show up every day as the person God has called you to be. Show up every day in the majesty of your uniqueness, in the glory of your God-given identity. Show up every day, not held captive by other people, but honored by God. This season has been many things. But maybe this season for you can be an awakening. I don't have to live my life looking for likes and affirmation. I could stand tall in who God called me to be. That's your task today. Own your anxieties. Know that disapproval is normal and untangle your worth from likes. That's your charge. That's your charge today. Come on, let's pray. God, we thank you and we honor you. And we're grateful, oh God, for how you consistently remind us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Thank you, God. For those of us who have lived lives crippled by other people's opinions, we know the deep damage, the self-inflicted wounds that we have brought upon ourselves. But God, thank you for those moments of clarity prayerfully, God, like today, we remind us to revel in your uniqueness, to celebrate who you are instead of celebratizing other people. God, we're in an age where everybody wants to be a celebrity, and very few want to be themselves. Thank you for reminding us, oh God, to not be afraid, to stand out. Not because we seek attention, but because we already have your love. God, we love you. We thank you. And we honor you. And it's in your name we pray. And we say, Amen.
Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter with God. You can follow us on social media and on the internet at fcbcnyc.org. Please follow and also contribute. If you've been blessed by what you heard, support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again, and we look forward to you tuning back in in the future.